You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players to extract how they do what they do so that you can learn from it, be inspired by it, and make a greater impact in the world yourself. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and my guest today is Odysseus Andrianos. He goes by Odu for, Odie for short, and he is a wellness mastery coach. He grew up behind the scenes of Hollywood, learning from world-class coaches at a very young age, and he is an expert in mindset programming and helping people master their emotions to amplify peak performance. He works with clients from all over the world and has managed his own wellness facility for 11 years and counting. His passion is coaching with over 15,000 hours of experience, and for three years now, he has been the wellness coach of a nine-figure corporation where he has delivered speeches, created diet challenges, and coached many of the employees to maximize their performance. The company has had record sales every year since he's been with them. What's cool is in his personal life, he is a world traveler, and during the last four years, he has taken trips to Southeast Asia where he's learned a bunch of different types of things in the various cultures and implemented them into his uh, coaching practice. He harnesses the power of meditation techniques that he learned from monks in Cam- Cambodia, for example, um, extracted wisdom from a Hindu priest who guided him throughout Bali, and uh, has learned breath techniques from coaches across the world, which is very cool. We dive into all of that and more in this call. And so with that, let's get into it. Here I am with Odie Andrianos. All right, I'm here with Odysseus Andrianos. How are you doing, Odysseus? Odie for short, I guess it is. Fantastic. Great to yeah, be here. Welcome to the program. I, I'm um, uh, appreciate you being here. And something you came across my Facebook feed as someone that I wanted to reach out to and connect with for the work that you're doing in the wellness space. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Where did you? How did you get to where you're at today? So, um, long story short, I'll make it as short as I can. I grew up in the film industry. Actually, my father is a nine-time nominee for best sound mixer. And uh, if you can imagine me being a little kid hanging out on set, my, my father filmed like the Wonder Years, he filmed Desperate Housewives, so I grew up on film sets when I was really young. I would get really bored hanging out on set. It's like, well, it's take 10 of the same scene. I'm like, I already memorized all the lines. <laughs> and so I would get bored and I would go and actually talk to some of the coaches of the actors and actresses. And that's what actually got me into coaching at a very early age. And so I was exposed to very high level coaching at a young age. And uh, I found a passion for fitness. And uh, I've after I graduated San Diego State University, I got my degree in kinesiology. I opened my first gym about a year and a half after graduating. I've been running that facility for 11 years. And about three years ago, I opened a second facility working with WBE Electric. They're, they are the electric comp- electrical company for uh, Airbnb, Facebook, and Google up here in Northern California. And they are a nine-figure electrical company. I'm the wellness professional for the company. And the big shift has actually happened in the last couple of years where I recognized I could be the world's greatest fitness coach, but we have a mental and emotional health crisis in society today. And a big part of that, I think, is why you actually uh, wanted to communicate with me is my work specifically with women. And uh, I planned on being like a coach for athletes, but I ended up being like a mommy's coach and mother's coach. I work with a lot of high level, um, like nine and 10 figure business owners. Um, and I, I can never plan that. It's just sometimes things just happen. And right. so I specialize in helping women. And I also coach a lot of teenagers too, uh, parents who are struggling with their teens. I work with their teens, teaching meditation, breath work, fitness, mental health, and going into emotional health has really been huge too. Oh, so that's, that's kind of where I got to, to uh, where I'm at today. That's really fascinating, man. I, I mean, first and foremost, you worked on the set of, I don't, I forget the actress's name, but the, the young gal that played Winnie in the Wonder Years, she was like... Yes. High school, I mean, high school, uh, childhood crush. She, she was yes. a beautiful little girl. Um, I don't remember, 
Exactly. So did you were on set then with a lot of the actors and, and learning. So the coaching that they're getting though, is that like voice coaching or was it mindset stuff? Was it life well, stuff? The truth is like if any, any coach that whenever you're starting out with somebody, you're always doing mindset coaching. You don't sell people on a, your mindset program. I mean, some people do, but in reality, it's like, I want to, if I'm going to coach people in fitness, I've got to get your mind right first. I'm not going to get your body right until I get your mind right. But to answer your question, every coach that I met, like they would, there would be fitness coaches, there'd be like nutrition coaches, there'd be uh, just acting coaches. And they were always just like the most interesting people to talk to. That's why I went and I would start up a conversation. Like, like some actors, they'd like have to lose 20 pounds for a film or they have to gain 20 pounds. If you're getting paid 20 million to lose a bunch of weight or gain a bunch of weight, you're going to do it. But you're going to hire the top coach to help you do that. And right. back to your point, it really is mindset coaching because you're not going to control that your hand going to your mouth until you get your mind to the right place. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of self-sabotaging thoughts come from the subconscious mind. And so uh, my success as a fitness coach really come, comes down to more life coaching because when I get the subconscious mind right, your entire life begins to shift. And so it's actually you get better results with less effort. And I found that I could have the world's greatest fitness program, but that won't matter if your subconscious mind keeps taking you back to the wrong food, the wrong people, and the wrong lifestyle and way of being. Right. A lot of people I find get into those programs, a fitness program, whatever. And there's, there's the energy of the, of the coach or of the trainer of the people of the community and everything's great and you're feeling good and you're feeling pushed. But then, yeah, it's, it's the, the midnight uh, snack attacks or, you know, the, the, something happens where you start to feel down about yourself and you run, go grab a bowl of ice cream. My, my dad's notorious for that, where he just, you know, the late night ice cream, uh, snacking or what have you. So uh, how do you, well, before I actually ask you that you mentioned, um, the health crisis, a mental health crisis, give me a glimpse into what you're seeing and what you mean by that. So it's like this, like I, I recognized probably about five or six years ago, like I, I created a great system and the word system to me is save yourself time, energy, and money. And if you have good systems, that's what it's going to do. It's going to save you time, energy, and money. And so in my late 20s, I'd already built a six-figure coaching business. But I realized there was something missing with my coaching program. Because I have two people doing my fitness program, and one person's taking off getting great results, and one person was not. And I took it personally for a little bit. Like, man, i got to figure out what am I doing wrong with my program. But that's when I realized it really comes down to mental and emotional health. And if you have, like, that's where I've started studying shadow work and NLP, neuro-linguistic programming is that people kind of have like a program playing below the surface where if you have like a childhood trauma and, and then you're walking around and things are triggering you, you're going right back to old habits. And like, like I said, I could have the world's greatest fitness program, but if you're still being triggered and you're not conscious of those triggers, your subconscious mind is going to take you back to those same comfort foods that make you feel good. And so as you learn how to recognize what your triggers are, then you can recognize the meaning you're creating from those triggers. Then you can manage the emotions and then fix the behavior. Many people are trying to fix the behavior. That's the last thing you want to fix. The behavior will actually fix itself once you recognize the triggers, change your meaning, and recognize the emotions that you're experiencing that are creating the behaviors. Does that make sense? Makes 100% sense. This is sort of the, the world that I've been engrossed in the last you know, decade plus. So um, makes sense for me. Somebody who's just now hearing that, that might be a lot to sort of receive. So maybe we could break it down just a little bit. Um, can you give an example or a case study of somebody that you've worked with that, that can? Oh, to totally. I'll give you a really basic example. Um, over at uh, WBE, that, the company that I work for, um, I do public speaking for them. I give speeches uh, twice a year on nutrition and health and whatnot. And one of the employees, she is trying to lose like that last 15 pounds. And she recognized that every time she would go into the break room, there'd be certain foods in there where it would trigger her. And then people eating unhealthy food and like offering it to her. 
So what I did was I actually taught her an NLP technique, neuro-linguistic programming. It's a kind of like a mild self-hypnosis technique. So we'd pick a spot on her hand and she'd actually touch that spot. And before going to the break room, she'd kind of rehearse that moment where people like, do you want to have this candy bar? Do you want to have this? And what she would do is she would touch that spot on her hand and she would think about positive experiences in her past or what's the person she wants to create in her future. So what she does is this is kind of like, it's a little trick that you use. So when you go in those situations, you actually tap that spot in your hand and it's kind of like triggering your mind to recognize that space that you actually want to be in, instead of falling back into your old way of being. Another way of explaining it is like, it's like a boat trying to get to its destination and the current is going against you. And once you shift the current, the boat will t the current will take the boat to the destination with less effort. And so by recognizing the things that are triggering you, like going to that break room and then having kind of like little, instead of taking a pill to numb yourself, you can actually just use little triggers or anchors within yourself that allow you to actually kind of align with who you really want to be instead of falling back into old habits and letting that current take you back to the old way of being that does not serve you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, which is just, it's mind blowing to me. I mean, it, it's fascinating that as a human species that we're, that this information is being distilled down to the quote unquote average people now that in mass, we're sort of all starting to get this. I don't know. Are you um, familiar with Joe Dispenza and some of his work? Absolutely. I just finished um, uh, breaking the habit of being yourself yesterday. Actually, it's funny you say that. And I really <laughs> am a big fan of uh, becoming supernatural and I've been incorporating a lot of it into my work with like the chakras and uh, learning how to move energy up your spine through meditation practice. And really big is reprogramming your subconscious mind through theta brainwave work. And so that's a lot of the newer work that I'm doing with my clients is I'm like, we can get your body looking great and your mind and your heart with less effort, but it's just a shift in your way of being really. So totally, I love Joe Dispenza's work. Um, the reason why I asked, because the metaphor that you're talking about with the current and the boat, um, I, I think actually is, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't, I know this, but I don't know it to the degree that a Joe would, or perhaps yourself, where that legitimately is a very accurate um, metaphor because your 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 brain is wired in such a way that the thoughts are do flow, mm -hmm. like there's actual myelin uh, that is created, right? That that makes the connections in your brain, and so when you have that story, that's well, you explain it. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love talking <laughs> about this stuff. Like this, this stuff, like I honestly believe that the stuff we're talking about right now, this is the stuff that's going to heal the world because yeah. too many people are going to pills to heal themselves when in reality, it's, it's cause and effect. Everyone's trying to fix the cause, but you really want to fix the effect or excuse me, the cause that's creating the effect. Like you take right. a pill, that's actually effect going to the effect. What is the cause that's creating effect? And it goes back to what you're talking about with like Joe Dispenza's work and that boat with the current where a lot of people, they're trying to get to where they want to go, but they're not even guiding the boat. They're sitting on the back of the boat, looking at their past and their past is actually creating their future. And so what Joe Dispenza talks about is that it's kind of like wiring. A lot of people are really stuck on the left side of their brain, very hyper-masculinated. It's kind of like with like women are hyper-masculinated in our society today and men too, but you're wired a certain way and you're not going to see a like a lasting shift in your life until you rewire the brain. That's why like when you first wake up in the morning, that's the best time to meditate because your brain is in delta brainwaves, then it moves to theta and it moves to alpha and then beta brainwaves. But that's when your mind is more programmable. So what you can do is that boat, you can actually pull that anchor from your past up that's keeping you from getting where you want to go. And then you get your subconscious mind, the current moving to where you want to go. And like I said, you're going to get there with the fraction of the effort. But a lot of it comes down to, like you said, rewiring how the brain works. Too many people are walking around 
one of my favorite gurus, G.I. Gurdjieff, talked about this, is that people are walking around in a wakeful state of sleep. So they're not even aware that they're not eating unhealthy. It's, it's like a program in their subconscious mind. And until they begin to recognize those triggers and start to reshift how their brain is functioning in the myelin, like you said, that's absolutely 100% correct, then their habits begin to change. But if you keep showing up each day as the same person, you're not going to change. You shouldn't take it personally. It's just wiring. and It takes some time to unprogram the mind. I've even had my own physical pain in my body where I had tension in my, my lower back. It was because I was, I'm running, I'm running two gyms. I also have a film studio on the side. And I do public speaking. I was doing too many, too many things at once. And it wasn't until I began my meditation practice where I actually calmed my nervous system down and my pain went away. I went to multiple doctors that kept giving me pills and all these treatments, but it was only until I went within myself and calmed myself down, calmed my brainwaves down, and my body was able to heal itself. It's like the placebo effect. That's another one of Joe Dispenza's books too, is you are the placebo, right? Right. Um, you mentioned the different uh, brain, uh, brain wavelengths. Can you explain what those are and what the, what the actual physical difference is on those? Absolutely. I've been talking about this a lot. Like I, I do this. Um, it's really important that your logical mind understands it to a certain degree what you're doing. But the goal is to get you out of your logical brain. Now, this will make more sense in a moment as I explain this. Like right now, when we're communicating, we're in beta brain waves. It's a lot, a lot of mind chatter. It's not good or bad. Um, norepinephrine is being produced, but people get stuck in beta brain waves. They get stuck in fight or flight mode. And this is what burns out a lot of entrepreneurs. People who they're making a lot of money, they're really successful, but they're getting burnt out in those beta brain, that beta brain wave state. Now, as you start to calm yourself down, then you drop into alpha brainwave state. That's when you begin to relax. You start to actually start attracting the, the thoughts that are going to help you to solve more of your problems in your day-to-day -day life, right? It's, not, it's less logical. It's more creative, more right brain. And then as you drop into an even deeper state of relaxation, that's the, that's the sweet spot where you're in theta brainwave state. And in theta brainwave state, you can actually reprogram your subconscious mind, but you're not going to do it from a logical place in your left brain. You have to calm yourself down enough and that's where like some people talk about you actually start to connect with your higher self. I actually recently read this book right here is an awesome book. Ecstasy is the new frequency. And one of the things that it talks about is that your heart wants to connect with your higher self, but your logical brain is like a barrier blocking you from connecting to your higher self. And the only way to actually access that higher self is to calm yourself deep enough in the theta brainwave state where it creates like a channel. And in the breath work, it actually opens up what's called your naughty channels within your body. And that allows you to calm yourself down into that space where you're not all up in your head and you start listening to your body. And your body has a lot of wisdom if you can actually listen to it, but you're not going to do that in beta, beta brainwave state. And then also there's delta waves, which is a state of sleep. So as I mentioned before, it's like when you wake up in the morning, you're in delta, then you move to theta, then you move to alpha, and then you move to beta. So my goal when I coach people is to teach people how to use breath work to kind of shift between those different brain waves with your breath, kind of like you shift gears in a car. So a lot of people, they're stuck in second gear, burning themselves out in beta brain waves. And I want to be able to teach people how to get out of that. Like, all right, I'm really stressed out. How can I sit down, do a 15-minute meditation, calm those brain waves down, get to get to uh, theta or alpha state, and then you're able to make better decisions. When I say better decisions, you're not going to be as stressed out. And so you're going to make, like, like people get in their limbic part of their brain because they're super stressed out and you're not going to make your best decisions. You want to be operating from the neocortex, which is the highest parts of the brain. Does that make sense? It does. These are um, measurable wavelengths, are they not? Like you can- Absolutely. Absolutely. Like what's actually being measured though? Do you know? I like, honestly, I'm not sure exactly how they do it. I just seen it in Joe Dispenza's work. He has like these systems where he's able to do like, like EMG where you're measuring the brainwave frequency within the mind. And there's even a higher brainwave state called gamma brainwaves, which is like what Tibetan and Buddhist monks get into. That's like when you, you can just boom, just tap out and you're like, just you're there. Like Joe Dispenza says, there is no body, no mind, no time, no space. Because oftentimes get, people get stuck in this linear timeline of reality. 
it's not bad or good, but people get stuck there. And in reality, the first thing that I teach people is you want to move to a quantum mind state. From a quantum mind state, things aren't linear. Things are more like a wave and you have more potential from that wave-like state. And yeah. you can actually create whatever you want. There's like, it's like having a tree with an infinite number of branches going in every different direction. You can choose those new realities. But if you're stuck in that linear timeline model, that 3D Newtonian model, you're going to be limited to your perception based upon your past. And that's where I talk about people re keep re reliving their past by projecting their past into their future. A lot of that is just low level frequency emotions that they're experiencing. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, <laughs> it's, um, it's, I'm with you on that because I've been in, like I said, I've, I've been hearing this and, and it's like peeling the onion layers back and you hear it again yes. and again, and you start to grasp it at deeper and deeper levels. But um, are you familiar with heart math? the yeah yeah, yeah. I, I did that that was fascinating for those that don't know it's like there's a there's an app that you can get on your phone and then you you hook it up to this little uh machine and it basically reads your your the pulse right your heart pulse and also your brain wavelengths and you can yeah. see like when you're stressed out if you, if you run the test you'll see your heart you know doing this sort of uh curvature. what's that it gets in you incoherent brainwaves when you're stressed out. Yep. And, and, and you can see the map, you'll, you'll see it mapped out, but then you go through a few exercise of meditation or just breath work. And then you, and then you watch the results and you can start to see the heart and the brain going at the exact same wavelength. And it's phenomenal. And you, you know, everybody knows we, it's interesting because I think as society or, or as a population, we've been talking about these things, at least in concept, we'll say things like, Oh, I was in the zone or I was totally in flow today. Well, why are we using those terms? It's interesting that we, we came up with those terms, but, and now science is sort of backing all this up to say, yeah, you're hundred percent in the zone or uh, in the flow because, and you can see it graphically, which blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. Well, like personally, I've found that like, there's a lot of like ancient science, like what really helped me personally is like years ago, I started studying Eastern philosophy, like the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads. And like, I'll, I'll admit, I was actually struggling with my own mental health because I was too locked into this Western mind state. And then once I started studying Eastern philosophy, I was like, oh, I just think more like an Eastern philosopher. And a lot of this ancient wisdom is actually being brought back. And they're actually scientifically proving how a lot of these ancient philosophies in terms of breath work, calming down the body, and like you're talking about getting into flow state, you can easily do that through your breath work. Yeah. And I think a lot of this it's like stuff that was removed from our education system to create good workers because we had the industrial age a hundred years ago. So they, they didn't necessarily want people out there thinking properly. They want to be just good workers. And so a lot of this stuff allows you to heal yourself. It's not always sellable to people. It's like I'm going to teach you how to meditate and do some simple fasting. It's going to change your life. It's not like the most marketable consumer item, but it can have much better effects than uh, people being stuck on prescription drugs with all the side effects and whatnot. And, and I still believe in Western medicine. It's just that we're out of balance using it too much. Cause that's really my opinion. We need to balance between Eastern and Western medicine. I'm glad you just, you wrapped that up with that concept. I was just talking about this. I had a chiropractor appointment today and we were talking about the different approaches that people have. And I think a lot of people fall into this mindset of uh, it's an either or thing or well, this is better than that or whatever. And, I feel like this, my own personal philosophy is that we're all sort of pointing to the same truth. And whether you start in the East or in the West, so to speak, we're all eventually sort of pointing towards this grander spiritual truth. And 
I personally love looking at the truth from these various angles, examining it from things that are wildly outside of what I would normally have been taught or the environment that I was in. And it allows me to see things in a new way, pick up some new things. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't fit and I go, all right. And it doesn't, you know, it's not for me or whatever, but um, each time it tends to, to expand my, my own personal knowledge of what I understand as deeper truths. Yeah. Well, one of the things that really, I enjoy about, because I have a doctor I go to who's Western medicine, and I have another doctor who's Eastern medicine. And the big difference between the two is that Western medicine um, separates all the organs of the body. They're all not connected. In Eastern medicine, they are, they're all connected. And in, I studied Chinese medicine, it talks about you have a yin and a yang organ, different organs of the body. So what Eastern philosophy would do is like, if one organ's out, maybe it's not that organ. It could be the yin or the yang organ that's out. And so using like acupuncture and uh, utilizing the meridian lines of the body can be very beneficial because sometimes people, it's like I said before, um, I actually read this in a great book, talks about how there's cause and effect. Often doctors are trying to fix the effect, but they're not going to the cause. Right. I have a number of mothers who I've coached over the years and say, well, I went to the doctor because I was experiencing anxiety and the doctor just gave me a pill instead of accessing what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling emotionally, am I exercising, what am I eating? Because a lot of times it can be just those simple things that you could do instead of taking an anxiety pill and, and then you could just, just exercise, eat healthy, manage your thoughts, pay attention to your triggers, and then that's going to create the change in your life. And so that's where I think there needs to be a balance between understanding. If it's extreme, yes, you should take some pills. But if it's not extreme, let's assess like what foods are triggering the anxiety in your body. A lot of people don't, aren't aware of the foods that's actually like they get triggered and they go eat a food and it's just it's just something their parents like if you're stressed out you go drink a bottle of alcohol or you go eat ice cream like you're saying right but there's other ways of managing that stuff but it really comes down to slowing yourself down to recognize what those things are that are creating the distress that are caused that's creating the effect in the body yeah you know what i'm saying yep you talked about um western philosophy treating everything sort of independently the thing that kind of blows my mind a little bit is to think about this this might be a little too deep for this conversation, but like perhaps we're all seeing ourselves as individuals as opposed to seeing the collective whole and seeing the oneness in all of us. We, we're very clear on, on the boundaries of our own identity and, and how those are separate and different from somebody else. But when you start to look at things as like, they're a mirror of me, they're a, they're, they are me in, in many respects. Yeah. It, it changes your whole perspective and approach to dealing with other people. Well, I think that a lot of people not recognizing suffering other people is them not recognizing suffering within themselves. Exactly. And people, especially in America, they just go to numbing themselves from the external, all the external stuff that's going on in the world. And that's, you're not really going to heal in that space. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, like, like there's so many people that go to drugs, alcohol, sex, money, all, like all these things are watching TV. I mean, I grew up behind the scenes of TV. So it's like, a lot of people, they use all these external things to create their happiness. They're going like, like when I talked about theta brainwave state, you're actually producing dopamine within your own body. Too many people, they're kind of get the dopamine outside of themselves, especially this younger generation that has these phones and all this technology. They're going to become more addicted to depression because oh, I need to stare at my screen. That's going to make me happy. But it's, I think it's going to drive more of this spiritual stuff because you can actually create your own happiness. You can create your own dopamine from within yourself yeah. and all that stuff outside of you. Yeah. It gives you a good hit of dopamine. You feel good. You know, you have a couple of drinks, you have some great sex, you're, you make a lot of money. That's all good, but it's still outside of yourself. Real happiness always comes from within. And when you actually really tap into your heart 
And I mean, a big thing with a lot of women uh, is, is thyroid problems. And you look at like the chakra system, a lot of people, their hearts are very close. Everyone's walking around like this, mm. staring at their phones and they have poor posture and you really want to open up your heart. And as you open up your heart, it opens up your throat and then you can speak more truth. A lot, I think a lot of people, they're stuck in those lower chakras of their body. They're stuck in their solar plexus and that's where there's a lot of ego. And as you're able to break through your ego and open your heart up, then you're able to speak truth and then you start tapping into your higher energy centers and your whole life becomes easier. I feel like a lot of this I've been doing on my own, but now I'm getting down to the science of it and actually teaching it. And like I said, I'm like, I could teach you fitness, but I can teach you how to do these other things. And then it's easy to get your workout. It's easy right. to get your sleep. It's easy to eat properly. It's easy to really love yourself. Cause when you open up your heart, you really, a lot of this, you have to love yourself first deeply and do that inner work. And then you can start recognizing and sharing it with other people. That's see, that's uh, that's California mindset that hasn't like bled in yet. And you know, I'm I'm yes. right smack dab in the middle of the uh, of the Midwest, and it's funny because it's like there's a, there is a culture difference there, and it's hard sometimes to make that bridge. But um, science is starting to make it very difficult to argue with what's literally right, measurably in front of you. Um, yes. Like you said, would somebody who loves themselves, who feels good about themselves, wants to respect their body wants to yes. fuel their body appropriately wants to stay fit feel strong it's it's a compounding effect in the positive sense um, yes so i i didn't expect for us to geek out so much on this side of things i feel like <laughs> the whole conversation could be on this but i really did yeah. want to talk to you about um you talked about uh, sort of falling back into women's coaching and helping women what are the specific things that you're seeing you talked about women that are being more masculine today what are some of the things that you're seeing today that um have led women astray and then what can they do or what how can you help them get back on track so to speak totally no this is this is a huge topic and like recently i've been actually connecting with a lot of other female coaches and they really enjoy working with me because i work with women so i understand a lot of stuff that they're talking about and i originally heard this from a like an expert female coach she said that a lot of uh women are um we live in a society right now it's like it's like hyper masculinated and a lot of it is turning men to actually be more feminine and women are becoming more masculine now when i say that uh when i say masculinity you're trying to control so much in your world right and like we have these female executives which is great i love it we need we need more balance of feminine nature but they're becoming so masculated that they're not in touch with their feminine nature and what that does is it doesn't allow them to receive and so even with men too they struggle with this like they, they're actually they're trying to control like a lot of mommies too they're trying to control so many things you have your kids going to soccer practice you have your kids going to this you're, you're always giving 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 a lot of you mommies keep giving but you're not allowing yourself to receive. And so you get out of balance. And so when I coach women, I actually had a, a, a client of mine who I worked with, worked with recently and I told her that and she started crying. She's like, oh my God, I've just been giving and no wonder the things I want aren't showing up because she's yeah. constantly in her masculinity giving. And our society has like kind of programmed us to be in that space of constantly controlling everything. But that's where even me personally, I had my first gym for uh, about seven years and I was like in my masculine I got to open a second gym people are getting injured in these other gyms like super in my ego and masculinity and then I started getting into meditation started calming myself down and one of my clients came to me and said do you want to help me open a second gym and I was like wow that was so much easier and I was getting in my own way because I was being too masculine when I started embracing my feminine side calming myself down and allowing myself to receive 
then people started showing up and the things that I wanted started showing up. So I think that happens to men and women, but a lot of women are being hyper-masculine and trying to control so much, making up for a lot of the, the lack of masculinity in men that it's causing them to get out of balance and not receiving what they want because there needs to be a balance between giving and receiving. If you're constantly giving, you're going to get out of balance. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it definitely does. I had a uh, previous guest on the program who unfortunately the audio was just so poor on her end. She lives in London that uh, we had to scrap the call. We're going to re-record it. But she's talked about so many powerful truths because she was that woman in the controlling masculine. Uh, and she discussed the story that of her personal transformation where she realized that she was in her masculine, that she wasn't honoring her husband's masculine that he was bringing to the table. And it yes. completely probably rewired her entire existence. And, the, and the, I asked her like, what, what is it that what's significantly different about your leadership now as a woman? Cause she's a, a powerful woman in a leadership position. And she said, um, I'm bringing empathy. I'm bringing empathy into my leadership. And she talked about working with the different coworkers, working with the other, you know, C-level executives and her ability to just be present and really receive and feel where they were at and be able to respond to that was a superpower that was completely missing in the workplace. And I could see that dynamic happen because I see so many powerful, strong, uh, extremely capable women who are constantly in that masculine controlling mode. And then you can see where it, where it falls out of balance and becomes more of destructive than it is, you know, constructive. Um, and they're robbing us of that gift of that feminine energy of, of empathy to enrich the workplace. Well, I think it's, it gets addicting too. your mind. Joe Dispenza talks about this is that your, your mind gets addicted to a way of being and, and it's partially your ego. It's like, well, if I'm going to be a successful female entrepreneur, I got to get really masculine and push all these males out the way and, and step right. in. And there's some truth to that, but there has to be that soft side that's still honored within you. Otherwise, you're not going to really receive that you, what you want from the world. You get what I'm yeah. saying? That's like, yeah. it's, it's so simple, but like we get addicted to a way of being that does not serve us. And yeah. so when I, when I talk about operating from your higher self, it's really just calming yourself down, allowing your own truth to move through you. It's amazing to see how much that mindset manifests itself in behavior, in action, and in the body. I um, took a plane trip one time and I sat next to this young woman who, you know, beautiful woman, and we got to talking. She's like, I own my own business. And and then we started talking about relationships. And she's like, yeah, you just, you know, I can't find the right kind of guy. Like all these guys are, you know, they're just placators. They just, you know, and as she's talking to me, she's leaning forward. She's got her, you know, her elbows on her knees. She's in a very sort of masculine energy. Everything was angular. She wasn't soft at all. And it was like, hmm, I wonder, wonder how those two things connect. Do you, with these women that you work with, is it just, are you just talking about helping them in the work environment or are you also talking about relationships as well? You know, I, I kind of predicate it on the needs of the individual that I'm working with. Like I've helped people eliminate addiction. I've helped people to find the, their lover that they wanted. I've helped people to obviously get their fitness program right. So it really depends on what the individual's needs are. Because a lot of times, like as a fitness coach for so many years, people would come to me because they think they want to get their fitness right. There's actually something else they wanted to fix. Right. Like they're coming to see me because, oh, I want to get my body looking right, but I'm going through a divorce. It's like mm -hmm. oftentimes like your, your conscious mind, your ego will like, oh, I need to fix this, but there's actually something below the surface. And so I naturally just have women feel really comfortable talking to me. So like that other thing would come up and they would share that with me. And then we'd start working on that deeper thing. So like, I didn't, I guess I didn't plan on that happening. It was just like, 
women felt comfortable sharing because if you just keep it inside yourself yeah. I've, I've been doing a lot more uh, like shadow i'm studying shadow work now because mm -hmm. people take their traumas and just stuff it in their shadow and they don't ever manage it and then like when it comes to your emotions a lot of people like i've been doing a lot of shadow work on myself is that, like you're like oh that thing over there made me angry but it didn't make you angry you were angry before that and it just triggered your own anger that was inside of you and when you mm -hmm. start to actually uh, integrate your shadow you can find your true light as you break through that shadow doing that inner work and then you're able to recognize other people projecting their shadow onto you and that's been huge for me as a coach because it's recognizing like i said that other stuff that's going on below the surface that's affecting the current of where you want to take the boat so it can be really predicate based upon the individual's needs because it could be uh they, like i said they want to get their physical body right but it really comes down to their mindset or, or opening their heart up a lot of people walk around with a closed heart and, and I read this amazing book called The Untethered Soul. It talks about how people put up barriers to protect their ego. Those same barriers limit you from becoming your greatest self. And I right. think that's one of the most powerful things that I've ever learned in terms of my own self. Because I'm like trying to break down, oh, I'm a fitness coach, but I'm breaking those barriers now. I'm actually like a wellness coach because I need to do this deeper work. So I'm doing it as I'm teaching it. It's a beautiful process. Yeah, um, it definitely is. Shoot, and I just had three questions that I wanted to ask you as you said all I that. I saw your mind firing when I was talking there. <laughs> And they all, they all went out at the last second there. I was thinking about untouched soul. Um, what, are, what are some of the – do you have an example of uh, – or a sample exercise? or Oh, sorry. I remember what I was going to say. So I was going to ask you real quick, and let me make a note of that because I want to come back to that. Okay. Uh, exercise examples. Um, shadow work. You were talking about a lot about shadow work. For those that aren't familiar, can you explain what that is? So it's a, it's a term coined by uh, Carl Jung. And basically, <clears throat> it's like, there's, a, there's a couple different ways of explaining it. But um, uh, there's like a, a box where you take all your trauma from like your childhood and you stuff it in that box. An example of like your trauma would be like, you're five years old and you made a picture and you go to your mom and say, hey, mommy, I made this picture. I put so much time into it. And just she happened to be busy at that moment. goes, oh, I can't look at that right now. I'm doing something really important. And you go, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, and, and like your mother didn't recognize that it was a really crucial moment for you, but they'll like, oh, you, and, but your subconscious mind, because when you're young, you're actually like between the ages of like three and like eight, you're in theta brainwave state. You're like cr in this state of creation and you can have an experience that may not even actually be that traumatic, but because you're in that very uh, crucial creative state in your mind, you'll walk around carrying this limiting belief in your mind. Like I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy of love or money doesn't grow on trees or there's some kind of belief. And so you'll grow up and you'll still be carrying that, but it's really in your shadow. And it's not until we go into actually remove that and replace it with something else. It'll actually dictate your life. So some, like I'll give you an example of a teen that I'm coaching right now. She has an abusive father and she's like, she had an abusive father. And so she keeps attracting abusive men. And so it wasn't until we identified that, and started working on that abuse from her childhood. And now she's able to attract the men that she wants into her life. But your ego like says, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. But it's below the surface that it's that trauma that's actually affecting you in your shadow. And until you integrate that shadow, that darkness is going to keep guiding your life. And you won't even be conscious that you're doing it. So there's a lot of people right now who are even really successful, but like I, co I coached this one, one client of mine, she literally manages billions of dollars. She's a multimillionaire but she still has money issues from her childhood. She actually talks with me about it. And it's like, even millionaires can have little money issues like that, like, cause they grew up in a poor family. You know what I'm saying? So it just depends on what the individual is, but you have to be able to identify what those triggers are and what are they triggering deeper within you? And as you, like I said, as you uncover that stuff then you can integrate your shadow and it becomes your best friend because it's that voice, that limiting voice, you can actually use it to kind of guide you, but you have to do the work to heal from that shadow work in your past. Yeah. Is that, is that a good explanation? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. I've, I've had, um, 
the fortune of being around fortune, I guess, if you define it that way of being around uh, extremely successful, wealthy people and, um, you know, very, very successful people, multi, multi, multi millionaire many times over. And it's amazing to see uh, just how screwed up they are as everybody else is with, with yes. <laughs> a lot of them have made that much money precisely because they had money issues. They were driven by their insecurities. They were driven by um, that desire to, to be loved, to be worthy, to be approved, et cetera. And that's manifested in all that money. But in the same way that you were saying like, Hey, you could help somebody get fit, but if they're still not at peace on the inside, you make all this money and you have all this wealth, but you're not at peace on the inside. How yes. wealthy are you truly? Yeah. It's yes. still, you have to do that inner work. You have to. Yes. No, there's no, no escaping it's... it. <laughs> yeah. I, I recognized that when I was a really young child, I was, I was on sets in Hollywood and I remember just being a, a like a really just intuitive child and like seeing some people, like I was in the set of the Wonder Years and you'd see like I was around very, very wealthy, very, very famous people at a young age. And I, I recognized they're not always happy. And that's what kind of I think motivated me as a young child to get into being a coach because I felt like there was something deeper, like in the spiritual realm that we're not actually uh, actively accessing. And that's the missing piece in our, in our 3D New Newtonian reality where people are so materialistic. Like I like to live a very simple life. Like my, my meditation practice makes me happier than anything in the world. And I'm still a successful six figure coach, but mm -hmm. it's like, Really, it's about having things that are sacred. If you're constantly buying, like I have clients who they have so much stuff, but they're so stressed out managing all their stuff. Right. If you just had a little bit less stuff, it'd be more <laughs> sacred. You know what I'm saying? And that actually balances you out. So you're, you're right. It totally comes down to recognizing that there's an external world and there's an internal world. And the greatest happiness is mastering that internal world. And people master their external world, but they haven't done the work in the internal world. And that creates an imbalance of unhappiness. And a lot of other emotional discrepancies show up in people's lives. You could totally. be a genius in one thing, but you're not in something else. Yeah, absolutely. Everything external gets filtered through the internal, the meaning making, the, the, the sense of joy, the sense of self, the sense of, you know, loving yourself, et cetera. And, and that programming, that, that to me is what's so interesting about the programming, because when you identify the, you start to do the shadow work, you let, lift the veil of, of consciousness and dive into the subconscious and you realize, oh my gosh, I've been walking around my whole life. Uh, angry or feeling bad or, or feeling unworthy. I remember a moment yes. that I had, uh, you talked about that, you know, the, the five-year-old that drew a painting or whatever and showed his parents. I had one of those moments where I, I knew my mother's birthday was coming up and we were in a store and I was supposed to pick her out a card. And I spent in my five-year-old little mind, a lot of time going through all the cards, trying to find the perfect card that just really, you know, express my love and all this kind of stuff. And I remember trying to give it to her and she was in the middle of doing laundry at the time. And she completely, you know, blew me off in the moment. And it was devastating as a five-year-old. Yeah. Like, oh my, but I put so much love into that. I put yes. so much time and mm -hmm. you know, and then boom, there's a wound, right? There's a, yep. and for a five-year-old, that's one of the things that I try to, I have two kids, 14 and 12 years old that I, I try to in an appropriate way that's appropriate for them at, at their various age levels as they're growing to feed them little nuggets of awareness. Do you, with these mothers that you work with, do you give them advice on how to help them with their own children? Absolutely. And the first thing I always say is to work on yourself because a, a lot of, a lot of mothers are always like, well, how do I fix my teen? I'm like, well, work on yourself. And through osmosis, when they see what you're doing on yourself, that'll affect them. Like a lot of what I've been doing recently is teaching. I actually had a mother this morning. I've been coaching her daughter for two months and the daughter's been loving my meditation 
or if we finished a workout and we do this meditation practice and I put the mother through it today and she was like blown away. Like, Oh my God, I'm like, I'm so calm. I've never felt this level of calmness. And mm -hmm. so a lot of parents, I tell them the best thing you do is work on yourself. Cause as you're like, kids are very visual. You know, they're always watching you. And when they see the way that you're acting and responding, then they're going to, through osmosis, take on a lot of that. And so by really doing that work on yourself and just setting an example, you're going to make a big impact on them. Because it's one thing to tell your kid to do this, to do that. It's another thing to actually do that work. And then they see you doing it and they see how happy you are. And then they're going to take that on themselves. Yeah. And I think a lot, a huge part of that is just emotional management. Uh, yes. For lack of a better term, it's like when things go to crap, how are you as a parent responding to something not going your way? You know, whether it's traffic, you know, something is as trivial as traffic or, you know, you're late or whatever. Uh, in what ways are you emotionally responding to that? And cause you will, you, kids, as I'm sure, you know, kids are just little mirrors and they're going to show you back, you know, it's funny too at times. Cause as a parent, I know there's been times where I've missed the proverbial birthday card that my child spent, you know, ton of time and energy and heart and love pouring and it's just a reality it's unavoidable there's going to be times where i missed something and i'm sure it already is that um it's going to leave some damage that's that's the human uh element that uh you know part of our human experience of course that that tends to create all this stuff but i think it's so fascinating to me as adults that we're getting better and better at deconstructing number one psychologically you know, with Carl Jung and a lot of those other uh, psychologists and leaders to help us better understand the shadow. And then yes. to have guys like Joe Dispenza and, and the work that you're doing, whatever, to understand how the body is actually reflecting mm -hmm. the, the actual trauma, the so-called trauma that we've experienced. And in some cases, genuinely, you know, deep trauma with abuse and um, deaths and families, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, yeah, you're right. When you said earlier, like this is I can't remember exactly what you said, but something about the, the spiritual waking, it's sort of the next evolution yeah. I think of humankind is better understanding all of this stuff that we're talking about right now and, and then putting it into practice, which is obviously a whole different, <laughs> it's a whole different thing to actually go do it. Yeah, <clears throat> it's very true. Well, one of my long-term goals is I really want to build an off the grid wellness retreat center and, and get people. Cause like a lot of what's driving, I think pe people into more like spirituality stuff and like, um, is, is technology is because if people are on their phones so much that they're, they're being disconnected from their bodies. And so I want to build an off the grid retreat center where we get people out to nature for the weekend, take their phone away and have them doing meditation, doing breath work, teach them how to cook their own food, have them do like a fitness obstacle course, really get them reconnected to their body. But out in nature from like Eastern philosophy, there's a lot of more prana or chi energy that's going to move through your body. It's going to help to invigorate your life force energy. And that is more valuable than money if you really think about it because you're so much more connected to your heart. That's what's going to open people's hearts up and get them to really love themselves from the inside out rather than buying a bunch of stuff. And I'm so happy. It's like, okay, sure. Like that's some happiness, but there has to be, like I said, that balance between the two worlds. And so one other thing I was going to say is that uh, when you're doing deep meditation, you actually activate what's called the vagus nerve. And that drops you into your parasympathetic nervous system and you get a deeper state of relaxation. And that's something that more people need to experience because they're so stuck in, like I said, those beta brainwave states. Yeah. Can you give an example of one of the exercises that you do or maybe a mini meditation or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I do this. DM, it's, like, it's called DMT meditation. So DMT is produced by the pineal gland. And what we do is I, I do this breath technique uh, where you're, it's, it's kind of like the Wim Hof method. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Wim Hof. Yep. And so you do different, like you do fast breathing for about three minutes and then you do 
uh, where you inhale and hold it for a few seconds and you actually exhale and you hold out the exhale as long as you possibly can. By doing that, I actually learned this from a doctor, by exhaling and holding out as long as you can, that's what activates your vagus nerve and activates your parasympathetic nervous system. And it kind of forces your body to drop into a deeper state of relaxation that you would experience with your normal breath. Mm -hmm. And so what that also does is it activates the meridian lines of the body and the nadi channels. Now, nadi and meridian myrrh is water. So it activates these water channels within the body. And as you hyperoxygenate your body, it helps to get all the energy out of your head and gets you more connected to your body. So I have people do about four rounds of that, three minutes on, with fast breathing and then that intense holding the breath in and holding it out. And after about four rounds of that, people literally, I had one of my clients, she looked like she was stoned afterwards. Like it's, it's like, I, t- I say you're getting high off your own supply. And I've actually had teens who they, uh, I, I have a teen recently, he's 19 years old. He had some uh, concussions in high school and he was struggling with his mental health a little bit. And I, and he was addicted to chewing tobacco and marijuana. And I had told him like, well, whenever you feel triggered, do this meditation. And within three weeks, we got him off of the drugs wow. and, and the tobacco. So like, I'm like, man, like, like I love being a fitness coach, but that's where like, I'm even going through my own shifts or like my own barriers that I'm breaking out. Like, I'm meant to be more than just this fitness coach. This deeper right. work is what's going to heal the planet. I got to find like a tribe of coaches who's doing this work too. You know what I'm oh, saying? I love that, man. I love that. What, um, what were some, if you don't mind me asking, what were some of the blocks that you had? Like what was some of the shadow work that you had to do to, to break through? So, like shadow work for me. Like when I was a teen, I was really, I had a really high IQ. Like I was always really smart, but I wasn't like school smart. So I thought I was stupid. And so the school system made me feel like I was dumb. And that was me not having emotional intelligence because they don't teach emotional intelligence in high school. That's why I'm so empowered to not only coach women, but also coach teens. And so I grew up thinking I wasn't that smart. When I got into college, I finally uh, was studying kinesiology and studying the body. And I was about a B average student once I finally started studying what I love. And uh, I had this limiting belief of like, I'm just wasn't smart. You're not, you're stupid. You know what I'm saying? And then once I got out of school and I started to become a successful entrepreneur, I was like, wait, maybe I am actually smart. I just have a different kind of intelligence. And it comes back to, like I said, like the Western model of thinking didn't work for me. It wasn't until I started studying Eastern philosophy that really healed me a lot internally and recognized, oh, there's a completely different way of thinking. And so that's what's motivated me. I want to find other people who are going through that kind of mental health struggle of this Western society and be able to share with them all this Eastern philosophy stuff because it was so therapeutic for me to recognize there's a completely polar opposite way of thinking that isn't going to make sense to everybody who's, who's indoctrinated with Western programming. But when you start to release a lot of that programming and start to incorporate some of this Eastern philosophy stuff, your body has a greater potential to heal itself with less effort. And so that's what was huge for me and recognizing that within myself. Now I'm able to share that with other people. I mean, I think every coach, you've got to go through your own dark night of the soul to actually share your story with other people, right? A hundred percent. Coaches sometimes get a bad rap and rightly so many coaches are not, not great, but uh, a lot of coaches get a bad rap because you can't, it doesn't show up in terms of the bank account necessarily or perfect physique or what have you. It's a lot of it is the psychological battle that people have gone through and, and can better understand and articulate and empathize with the darkness of, of the human psychology and the human experience. Um, I'm curious, to, what, is the, what is the outcome, if you could paint a picture a little bit of the, the women that you work with and they kind of come to you with, you know, the give, 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 they're in control, they're very sort of in that masculine energy. What, what does the outcome look like? What are they missing? What experience of the feminine are, do they not tap into and, and that they do after they do the work with you? I, th- I think a big part of it is that it's just programming from our society. It's the, this consumer society. And when you're able to actually really, like there's a, there's a void within us 
And, and when you stop trying to fill that void from things outside of yourself and you fill that void from within yourself, that's when you're going to find true and complete happiness. And so, like I said, it comes back to a lot of women are just, it's just old programming of our society. And when you start to kind of shift your perception, you're able to actually start attracting what you want. And so like, um, like I've studied a bit of alchemy and alchemy and masculine is electric and feminine is magnetic. And when you're actually able to tap into your feminine side, you begin to magnetize the things that you truly desire in your life. And so that's something that even men need to work on too, is like being able to tap into that feminine, feminine nature and actually attract what you want. It's like, let's say that you were, you were a female and I, you were like, we were like at a bar. I started hitting on you really hard. I'd probably push you away. But imagine if I subtly came up to you and just said something really nice and you like, I started to actually attract you to me, it'd be a very different approach. So it's a kind of the same way that people are living their lives. They're trying to, like I said, trying to control and force things too much. And that's very masculine. Instead, you can step into your masculinity, but then step back into your feminine nature. And that's a lot more safe approach in terms of um, the damage you can cause within your own life or the people around you because you're trying to force things too much and, and using both elements rather than just one and being in a hyper-masculinated state. Does that answer yep. your question? Yeah, uh, it does. I have a follow-up question though. So if the magnetic is the feminine and, and it's attracting, yes. what is the manifestation of the electric masculine? So it's like, so the masculine, the electricity is you like you electrify, you like projecting your energy outwards, right? And then the magnetic is where you're actually attracting energy into you, right? That's not my opinion. That's, actually, that's really just from my studies. And I thought it made a lot of sense because yep. if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I got to put energy out to create something, right? And that's really good to be your masculine for that. But if you're too much in that space, you're going to burn yourself out because you're projecting too much uh, electric energy externally. And when you're able to actually recognize the balance between that electric energy and then the magnetic energy, energy then you're going to be able to attract the people into your life that you need to get to that next level of your business and whatnot. Um, it, does it all come down to reproductive biology? <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> where I get that from, there's this thing called the uh, hermetic principles and the seventh principle is the law of gender. So it actually has less to do with sex. It really has to do with your energy of masculine and feminine energies. So like every, everybody, you have masculine and feminine energy. I have masculine and feminine energy. And like I had that written on my wall, the hermetic principles for years. And that was like a kind of a, a blueprint for how to live my life because the law I talked about earlier, the law of cause and effect. That's another one of the hermetic principles because uh, as you begin to master your masculine and feminine energies, you're not, there's cause and effect as well. It's similar to masculine and feminine. Instead of the, you, it's like a domino effect. I hit a domino, it come around, comes around and hits, it hits me. As I become more balanced in my masculine and feminine energies, when I hit that domino, it doesn't come back and hit me or it doesn't hit me as hard because I'm more in balance of the cause and the effect that I'm creating in, my, in both those principles. It's a little deep, deeper stuff right there. But, and it comes down to the law of polarity too. It's like, if I am experiencing a negative emotion, I can polarize my mind. Like, like recently my mother was, uh, she's going through chemo treatments and she's, she's doing pretty good. But uh, when I get sad, I go, oh my God, I'm starting to get sad. And I feel those emotions. But then I go, well, I, instead of being sad, I could just polarize my mind and think about a really positive thought. Like I'm really lucky. I'm 36 years old and my, I have this amazing mother all these years of my life. So I should be really grateful instead of being bogged down by those negative emotions. So, and that's kind of masculine and feminine too. So it, all the hermetic principles are all kind of connected to each other. And that's been a huge blueprint for me and my success as an entrepreneur, but also as a coach, because you recognize where people are out of balance with those principles as well. Yep. Um, it's, what is the word hermetic hermetic principles? They're also called the, the laws of the universe. Okay. Um, that it's a little more layman. <laughs> so, so like, like I can, I can tell you them real quick. There's a law of mentalism, correspondence, rhythm, polarity, vibration, cause and effect, and uh, law of gender. 
and, and applying those principles to my life has been phenomenal for my success because everything is mental. There's a correspondence between what's outside of you, inside of you. There's a rhythm to everything in life. There's a polarity to everything in life, positive and negative, right? There's a vibration, like vibration always precedes manifestation. If you want to start manifesting things at a higher level, you need to vibrate at that higher level. Like I said, the cause and effect in general, we already spoke about too. So I use that some of the actually deeper work that I teach people in my coaching program because it's ancient philosophy that's been, it's not in our education system anymore. And that's where I'm teaching it to teens. I'm teaching it to executives. And like I said, it's just, it's all about simplicity. How can you create more efficiency in your day-to-day -day life? Start applying this ancient wisdom to your life and things are going to get a lot easier. It's all about uh, leverage. If you find the right space, you're going to be able to like use leverage like Archimedes did. And you're going to be able to move a giant stone with a fraction of the effort because you found the right area to apply the pressure. Yeah. I was going to ask you about stoicism and the understanding, because uh, a lot of this to me is, I think a lot of people misinterpret the stoics as um, let me shut down my emotions and be irresponsive to my, the external world around me and therefore quote unquote unshakable and, you know, on, on, on stable ground. And yet, um, I also find that that's very boring <laughs> for one <laughs> yes. two, that, that it's, uh, you can't connect to it. It's not relatable. Um, mm -hmm. because we are beating hearts. We are giving out and receiving energy. Um, have you studied the Stoics at all? Yes. Yeah, a little bit for sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, you just made me think of is that like, um, is that many times people, uh, they get it. Like I said this before, like they get it, they get addicted to a way of being and it's a safe space and that's where their ego puts up those barriers. And then as you start to embrace your emotions and actually really feel them, it makes it easier for you to break those down. And, and something that I read in this book recently, I never thought of this, but it talks about how your emotions is almost like, like I don't, I'm not fully sold on this idea, but I thought it was an interesting perspective is that like your emotions is like a, a separate entity that you have to work on within yourself. Just like you create a business and it's an entity that you create and that mm -hmm. entity can kill you if you're not careful. You need to be able to balance that. And it's the same thing with your emotions. Mm -hmm. If you don't pay attention to your emotions, you're going to be a wreck. If you don't pay attention to your business, you're going to be a wreck. But you can also put too much energy into your emotions. You put too much energy into your business. So you become out of balance. So it's always like, it's a double-edged sword. You have to find a balance between those two worlds because if you're not working on your emotions, you're going to suffer. If you're not working on your business, you're going to suffer. But yeah. it has to be something that is integrated within your day-to-day -day life so you can manage those emotions. And that comes back to the shadow work too. Like when somebody says something and it triggers an emotion, where does that emotion actually come from? Where's the traumatic experience in your past that could be an opportunity for you to heal from so that you're not as triggered? And when you do get triggered, you can move in a different direction rather than going back to eating sugar or sabotaging yourself with drugs or alcohol or like, I'm going to go buy more stuff. Then I'll feel better. You know what I mean? And like, it's actually the deeper issue that once you heal that, then you don't need to rely on all that external stimuli as much. Mm -hmm. what, what's the quickest way that somebody can uncover their subconscious shadows? So like, there's a lot of really good books, but I recommend first and foremost, this is what I tell all my clients to do is I have them create a journal, just a written journal at home. And then I have them create a note on their phones. You can't always carry your journal around. Um, so you have a note on your phone and whenever you recognize you've been highly triggered, right? Like that's what I tell you, you drop into your limbic or limbic part of your brain. You're highly emotional. So you start writing those down and then you, when you get home, you write it in your journal. And then when you put it in your journal, you can use that for your meditation practice. And so as you're doing those deeper states of meditation, you can start actually integrating that stuff. So like I have people do mantras, like my mantra recently, I have it written actually behind me. I don't know if you can see it. It says, uh, what's your mantra 2020? I am loving awareness. I actually got it from uh, Ram Dass. I've never heard of Ram Dass before. Mm -hmm. Great spiritual guru. And so what I've been doing is reprogramming my mind by 
anything that I'm experiencing, I just go to space of, I am loving awareness. Like, like I said, my mother's going through chemo, her hair's all falling out, she's got bloody nose, it's tough to see my mom going through that. So instead of like getting sad, I go, I am loving the awareness of my mother going through this and I'm gonna be in a loving space so I can help her to heal. Because if I'm in a bad space, it's not gonna make it easier for her to heal. I need to be able to manage those emotions, especially in a highly stressful moment like that. And so I use that mantra and I say that mantra before I go to bed. I say that mantra first thing when I wake up. And it's actually a Zen Buddhist technique. What you do is as you, it's just like building a muscle. If I want to build my muscle, I got to do reps. So as I do more reps of that, it becomes like integrated into my subconscious mind. So when I get triggered, I go, well, I'm in loving awareness of this. I'm not going to fall back into my old way of being where I get upset or I get sad, you know, and helps me to manage my emotions at a higher frequency where I talked about different frequency levels. And then I'm able to operate from a place of love because I program my mind to be in that space. Mm -hmm. So you could be a really successful entrepreneur and making lots of money, but there's still stuff going on below the surface. And by integrating these mantras and reprogramming the subconscious mind, it shifts that current. And like I said, you begin to magnetize the things that you want to your life with less effort because you're coming from a space of love rather than a space of fear, anger, sadness, hate, depression, and all those lower level vibrations. It's okay to feel sad, but if it's continuous chronic sadness, that can lead to a lot of health problems for people. Yeah. When I was uh, first just getting started, I got into real estate and there was a guy that was mentoring me for a little bit and he obviously was going through a bunch of stuff because I was over at his house one time and he was teaching me a bunch of, you know, how to do contracts and all this stuff. And I went to use the restroom and I went into his bathroom and he had all these sticky notes on his bathroom wall of, you know, I am this or that, like some of the stuff that you're talking about, just, mm -hmm. just various mantras. And um, it seemed like he was trying to convince himself. So how do you, how do you move from just saying those words and, and avoid just having it be this record loop of, yeah, I'm loving awareness, to really actually rewiring and bringing that in and, and affecting yourself on an identity level? So I'll give you an example of what worked really well for me. I was 23, 24 years old. And uh, I actually, my best friend died in a motorcycle accident. It was a highly emotional period of my life. I, I literally like, cried for a week. And it's in those periods of like deep emotion that like the greatest breakthroughs actually occur. Often the greatest breakthroughs, a break, the greatest breakdown occurs before your greatest breakthrough. And mm -hmm. so at the time I was just kind of working in a couple of gyms. I just graduated a year before and uh, I was very sad. And so I did this unconsciously, but I've actually read this is what you're supposed to do. I took that emotional energy. And I thought, what can I create from this? I'm so freaking sad. I don't know what to do with this sadness. And so I was like, what can, like, like my best friend just died. Life is short. I need to make my dreams come true. So I started really just asking the universe, like kind of like praying, you know what I mean? Like, give me a sign. What should I do? And then literally, I actually did a very strict diet during this time too. And I think that kind of helped me as well. But I opened my first gym a month later. And so what you do to go back to your question is that pay attention to times you're highly emotional and recognize what's coming up for yourself in those moments where you're highly emotional. And those are the best moments for you to reprogram your subconscious mind. So instead of, like I said, getting bogged down by my negative emotions, right, that negative can easily be turned into a positive. You just create a shift or you polarize that emotion. And so that's what I've done is like, or when I work, when I work with people, like I'm going to be coaching a team today and we're working on her healing from some of her past. So you recognize when she's triggered and feel that emotion, but then take that emotion because the word emotion is emotion. It's energy in motion. Mm -hmm. And if you don't manage it, it actually will slow you down. You won't move. And in other ways, you can actually take that emotion. Like when I was young, I think that's what kind of got me into fitness. I would get stressed out and I would go to the gym and work out. And that became me making a living doing that. But now mm -hmm. it's actually simplified to the point where we do these mantras and you say those mantras and you're in an elevated state of emotions. And those elevated state of emotions, your, your mind and body are more programmable. And that affects, like you said, the myelin and the structure of how your neurons are firing within the brain and how they're connecting with your body. Because your body is a mirror to your subconscious mind. If you're tight in certain areas, some of the best 
Eastern philosophy doctors can actually tell you what's going on in your external world based upon how your body is experiencing reality. Right. Yeah. That blows my mind. Very powerful stuff. Um, I've experienced that a little bit. I, I, I was like, this is bullshit or whatever. And then I've, and then I saw somebody start to, to do it. And I'm like, what? And it was more than just, you know, your typical, like, palm reading or whatever that's sort of generally applied it was specific and i was like wow um this kind of sounds like a gotcha question but it's but it's an honest question it's a genuine question do you think that a mature man best or better represents masculine energy and that a mature developed female best represents true femininity i know that we all have both energies can you say that one more time yeah so so we're all made up of, like you said, we, we all have masculine and feminine energy within us. But do you feel that men, a developed man, a mature man, a, a you know, too, finely tuned man, for lack of a better phrase, is better at representing true masculine energy and the same reciprocal for a woman, a, a developed, mature, um, understanding woman represents true femininity more so? Do you, do you think that's true or no? I really, I, I really believe this isn't just from my opinions, from my studies is that the happiest people are going to have a balance between both. Because even like when I talk about the meridian lines, there's Tsushima and Ida and Pingala, which is the masculine and feminine channels that move up the body. So like men who are too masculine, they're going to be miserable. Women who are too feminine, they're going to be miserable. There has to be a balance between those two worlds because it's actually the left and right hemispheres of the brain. It actually connects to the entire body. So like, it just, it, I think it really depends on the person and recognizing where you're out of balance. Because if, if you are out of balance on one side to the other, it's going to show up in other imbalances in your life. So it's, it just really is an independent uh, case-to-case basis of recognizing what's going on with people. And, and one of the things that I do as a coach, like, I don't know if I mentioned this, my, my father was a sound mixer in Hollywood. I've recognized as a coach through 15,000 hours of coaching, if you listen to how people communicate, not what they say, but how they say it, that'll actually give you a greater precursor into what's going on below the surface. What power words are they using? How are they using those power words? And what is actually truly identifying uh, in their syntax and the, the structure of how they're communicating will actually give you a deeper meaning of what's going on below the surface and where they can find a deeper balance between those masculine and feminine worlds. Right. Does that make sense? I stumbled onto that sort of same thing as a from a business perspective learning about marketing and then ultimately learning about psychology and people and behavior and what makes people tick and as i started to do market research i found that there uh, i look for something that i don't think a lot of other people look for which is inflection i'm looking for tonality inflection so when i'm talking to somebody you'll start to hear and you can tune your like you put your reps in and you'll start to hear this more and more often you can hear the little inflections of an energy spike of an excitement. And you can see it when you start to train yourself, you'll see it, the shift in the chair, the, the posture changes, their, their eyes widen if they're excited about something, or you'll hear a crack in their voice, or there's, they'll start to slump down. And so that's what I tend to look for from a marketing's perspective. Like where, where's your real fear? Where's your real hurt? Where's your real suffering so that we can provide something that actually serves that. Um, the, you talked about the internal balance between the masculine and feminine, but is it possible that you get that balance in a relationship? So you might have a mask, a masculine man who certainly has his feminine, but by and large, he operates out of his masculine and you have, maybe he's attracted, uh, you know, has, is in a relationship with a woman who's by and large in her feminine can't, do you not see that that provides that balance as a whole? Yeah. Not, I think co- not codependently, but yin yangily 
Well, I, I think personally that it always comes down to like, like, like I see a lot of people going into relationships and thinking that that relationship is going to heal them. And that doesn't always work. Right. And it, I think it always comes down to you having to do your own work on yourself. Like I've coached a lot of married couples for years and, uh, a lot of times people think that, well, this external thing is going to fix me. But even myself, like, I don't, I don't like, I've had people like, Oh, do you've healed me? Like I didn't heal anybody. All I do is give people the tools, reinforce those tools and hold space for them to create change for themselves. Yeah. It's the same thing in your, in your relationships. If you're going to have a really strong relationship with somebody else, the first step is having a stronger relationship with yourself because that reflects externally your true internal love, unconditional love and unconditional happiness for the world that you've created for yourself. I often like to say that the word, uh, I, I, this is some Eastern philosophy stuff, the word reality it actually comes from the word royalty. And it's about your crown chakra. There's an external universe and there's an internal universe. And if you've mastered that internal universe, you've done the breath work, you've calmed down your masculine and feminine energies, you're, you've balanced them out, then you're operating from your internal crown and you've mastered your reality. That's not gonna, it's usually gonna happen from the internal world out. It's much more difficult to do it from the external world in <clears throat> because it's like, it's like a ripple effect. You become your body's made up of water. You become like a drop of water that creates a ripple affecting everybody around you. And the opposite of that is everyone else creating a ripple that's affecting you. So I really want people to be able to do that inner work so they become that ripple radiating that positive energy out from themselves. Yes. The creator of circumstance as opposed to the reactor of it. And when you say that in creator, that's the masculine and feminine in harmony because then you're actually creating. So this is what ultimately part of why I'm drilling down to this point is I find that there is a, a clarity that is helpful in our world today because with, with not, a, to, not to get into politics and stuff like that, but there's a lot of um, new ideas when it comes to gender, gender fluidity and yes. uh, masculine and feminine energies and, and what state are you in right now? And, and sometimes that can be very, very confusing. And I find that there's some simplicity um, and also um, clarity in men typically defaulting more to a strength in their, in their masculine expression, women defaulting more to their feminine expression, and that together, coming together, it provides a balance, not a codependent balance, but a balance within the unit of the relationship that uh, is attractive because it's polarized because you have the masculine yes. and feminine, right? That's not to say that a, the, the man can't all, ever be in a feminine state, be more nurturing, more empathetic, more loving, et cetera, or that the woman can't go out and kick ass at the business, you know, in the business space. Um, but that Tony Robbins talks about the masculine and feminine cores. Like, yes, we have both of these things, but we also have the, the core of who we are, sort of the default. That's ultimately, I think, sort of what I'm getting at is mm – -hmm. I think it's helpful to define things with that level of clarity that most men, if I was a betting person, just would have a masculine core, core and that most women would have a feminine core. And that simplicity of understanding what those two things are uh, tends to straighten a lot of things out. I find a lot of those very powerful. I've been around a lot of those women and I just see them you know, coming up with excuses and justifications for why their relationships aren't working. And I'm just going, you're so masculine. So unattractive. Yeah. Well, it repels some men in some instances. I mean, I coach some alpha females, like yeah. an alpha female who's like a doctor for a living that like some men that, that's going to intimidate them. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, cause like, Oh, this woman can just go too deep for me. You know, like I'm a women's coach. So I'm very comfortable with almost any woman that I meet. Right. But uh, I think it comes like to what you're saying is like, it comes down to an, an interdependence of balance between those two worlds. And, that, and like I said, if you're able to balance that within yourself, then you're going to start to attract people who are also doing that work. You know, it's really about your vibrational frequency as you're vibrating at that level, you're going to attract people on that same level. And um, a lot of it really, I think it's a, uh, 
I don't think I, I really believe deeply that the world's been hype, like so masculine and we're seeing the feminine coming up and actually balancing out the masculine in society today. We're actually like in the, in the past couple hundred years, the feminine has been suppressed in our society. I mean, you look at some cultures, they don't even let women show off their bodies because they want to just silence that power in women. And so a lot of what's happening is like the feminine is actually rising up to balance out the masculinity and that's freaking some men out. And so it's not a bad or a good thing. Cause I look at it from a quantum level. It's really just kind of what's happening. And as we, as we kind of integrate that feminine, the men and the women being able to integrate that feminine, we're going to have a much more balanced society. Like I feel like the world right now is going through a rebirthing process. There's a lot of old ways that are dying. It's not a bad or a good thing, but some people are going to suffer if they cling to those old ways of being. And so as we move into this new world where it's really more balanced masculine and feminine, the people who do that integration of the feminine and balancing out the masculine, they're going to be a lot happier and things are going to be a lot easier for them. I've done this with myself and I'm, I'm living my dreams and I'm, I don't have to work that hard just to help people for a living. So I, I really want to help more people integrate this attitude, lifestyle, and way of being to simplify things for themselves, not getting caught up in old ways of being. Like you look at our education system is breaking down, our healthcare system is breaking down, our political systems are breaking down, like the planet's on fire. It's, with me, it's not a bad or a good thing. The world's going through a rebirth process. And so it's like, what, are you going to cry about it? I mean, maybe for a minute, but like that, that's okay. You use that energy to create a new and better world. Because like you said, it's about creating right. and being really in touch with them. When you're in touch with the masculine and feminine, then you're in a deep state of creation. It's beautiful to be in that space. It, it definitely is a beautiful space for sure. I do think that, um, that there is an... I totally hear what you're saying from a quantum perspective of looking at the the laws of the universe that we're talking about earlier and the masculine and feminine energies sort of balancing each other's out, balancing each other out. And certainly there's been a need for an empowerment of feminine energy um, to be uh, strengthened and emboldened and to better, you know, to be better protected. But I'm also seeing, I don't think that it's quite that simplified because I'm seeing that there's a lot of space where it feels overly feminine and that men uh, and not just because they're intimidated by strong women, but because they've lost sense of their own masculine nature, um, which is actually creating more of that imbalance. And so as men, uh, good solid men are losing their sense of strength uh, that creates more exposure to uh, hurting the feminine. And, yes. so, and then women move shift more into a more masculine energy and we're out of whack. And so yes. yeah. yeah, there needs to be a rebalancing on, on that respect too. Cause I think there have been obviously, especially you look at our culture right now and you look at all the abusers that are now being addressed Both. and it's like, let's get these assholes out of here. And so clearly if you've been a victim of that oppression and that abuse, there is going to be an energy and a desire to say, Hey, we need to stand up for ourselves and we need to protect women. Right. But on the other hand, if that becomes a club that we just constantly beat. There's a lot of good men out there that are going, Oh, maybe I'm screwed up or maybe I'm, hmm. maybe there's something wrong with me. And instead of, yeah. we need to empower those men as well because they're totally. the ones that are going to ultimately going to protect the feminine, protect the women. And yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that's a part of like the mental health and emotional health crisis we're facing is that yeah. there's, we like, what you're talking about is they're not, we're not, a lot of stuff that I've been talking about is not taught in schools. And so I recognize my own imbalances, my own emotional weaknesses, and I had to do work on myself. And now I'm just sharing all the stuff that I've learned that's helped me to balance myself out. I don't, I'm not saying I have it all perfectly locked down because I'm just keep on studying new information, but it really comes down to people need to do the inner work. Yeah. And when you do that inner work, that's where you're going to find the greatest happiness because, and that's like the lost art in our society is, is 
teaching emotional intelligence, how to recognize your emotions, how to actually integrate those emotions, how to recognize when your shadow or your limiting beliefs or that inner critic pops up and tells you that you're not good enough. And, and those, those demons that people face inside their own head, but you're creating those, your own demons through a lot of your old programming. And as you're able to kind of shed those layers, like each pulling back, back each layer of that onion, you're going to get deeper into the true greatest self of who you truly are at your yeah. core. And that's different for each person. And, and like, that's where a lot of the fear comes up. And that's where the, the feminine nature is actually going deeper within the self. And, and when you're able to actually do that and integrate that, that's where your greatest power happens. When you go into your shadow, that's where you find your true light. But we're taught in society to be afraid of that stuff. Just, oh, you're having a tough day. Just take a pill and go back to work. You know, and like that, that's an old attitude. It's not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we could probably talk for another two hours. Uh, I love this stuff. Man. It's great. Conversation. I, I, I love this stuff and I geek out on it. I appreciate um, what you're up to and what you're doing and the mark that you're making in your uh, circle of influence. Um, so thank you for your time today. For those that are interested in reaching out to you and, and wanting to connect with you, where and how can they do that? So uh, best place to reach me is just on social media right now. I'm actually building a whole new website. So if you look at me up on Instagram, wellnesscoach21, I post regular videos like every couple of days. And then also just look me up, Odysseus Andrianos on Facebook. If you want to work with me, message me. I'd love to talk to you and uh, see if we're a good fit to work with each other. And uh, yeah, I just, I love, I love this work, man. I really feel like this is the opportunity to heal the planet and each and every one of us, each person that I work with, like I said, they become that ripple effect that starts affecting everybody around them. And it's really a beautiful process. It is man. Amen to that. Thanks again. Thank you. I appreciate your time, man. It's great to be here. All right. Take care.